Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. I heard a story uh, recently about a solitary monk that lived in a monastery all alone. And it was on top of this rocky cliff overlooking a small village. As the years went by, people wondered about what's that old monk doing up there in that monastery by himself. Finally, after quite a few years, a young man who had heard the the stories and and was curious decided, I'm going to climb that cliff. I want to meet this guy. I want to see what he's doing. And so one day he scales that cliff to meet the monk. And when he arrives, he sees the monk, you know, in his little meditative stance. And he hollers out, hello, do you still wrestle with the devil? And it took a minute, you know, he was in his meditative stance. And when he snapped out of it and realized somebody was talking to him, he said, no, I don't wrestle with the devil anymore. He says, I'm too old now, and the devil's too foolish, and we're too tired of each other. And the young man was surprised, and he said, so your life is easy now. And the monk said this, said, no, it's much harder. Now I wrestle with God. Now think about that. There are times in our lives when you and I wrestle with God. Maybe there's some problem that we're experiencing. There's an issue going on. There's things that are just churning in our hearts and in our minds. And and we're wondering, I wish God would do something. I I wish God would say something. I wonder wonder what he would do about this situation. I wonder if God cares enough that he'll actually do something. And we might not say that out loud. But it's right here in our hearts. And when you and I have that honest conversation with God, then that gives God an opportunity to show us and teach us. What you're going to find in this story about Habakkuk is he has an issue and he goes to God and he goes to God over and over again, time and time again, and God's silent. And that's really the undercurrent of the message today. My message is entitled, Why is God Silent? at the injustice I see. Why is God silent at the injustice I see? I found the uh, words to a song called When God is Silent, and part of the lyrics go like this. When God is silent, and we don't know the way before us that we ought to go. When we've attempted to do His will, and yet His silence continues still, then it's time to trust. Yes, it's time to remember that the Lord is faithful to His own. If we hope we shall yet be praising once again, for his silence never means that we're alone. Did you catch that? God's silence never means that we're alone. Just because God is silent does not mean he is absent. And so I want you to look, if you will, in uh, Habakkuk chapter 1 this morning, and we're going to answer the question, how do you respond when God is silent? Habakkuk 1 Verse 1, the pronouncement that the prophet Habakkuk saw, some say oracle, some say vision, but God showed him something, and he saw it. And then he says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, and you do not listen, or cry out to you about violence, and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. 
Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. That This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. Habakkuk saw injustice when he looked around, when he read the papers, when he watched the news. Okay, maybe they didn't have media like that back then, you know, that we do today. But the point is, when he looked around at society, when he looked at his community, when he looked at uh, his people, he saw injustice everywhere. It disturbed him. It bothered him. He, he didn't have an answer for it. And he wondered, why is this happening? Why does it continue to happen day after day? God, where are you? Lord, what are you going to do? Why don't you do something? And so he called to God for help. He says, how long, Lord, must I call for help? And nothing happened. And he interprets that as, Lord, you're not listening. Lord, where are you? Lord, I'm calling help. This is not the kid that cried wolf too many times. Lord, I'm calling. Lord, I need you. Where are you? Lord, how much longer? Crickets. Nothing. And then he ups the intensity. He says, how long will I, the second half of that verse in verse 2, how long will I cry out to you about violence and you do not say? See, he goes from calling out for help to now he's crying out. I mean, anything I can do, God, please hear me. God, do you hear me up there? What are you doing? How much longer do I need to wait? When are you going to do something? And he's very passionate about this. He confronts God in his prayer with the problem of injustice. He says, why do you force me to see it? I don't want to see this. Uh, look at all the problems in the world today. Look at all the, uh, the, the problems in society, the strife, the, the, the conflict, uh, the, the, the wrongs that are being done, the injustice that we see all around us. And we look up to God and we go, God, how much longer is this going to happen? Why are, you, why are you letting me see this? And why do you tolerate this? You're God, right? You see, you can be honest when you have a conversation with God. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're going through. So pour out your heart to him. Let him know how you feel. Talk to him. Habakkuk did. And he pointed to the evidence. He pointed to the oppression. He pointed to the violence. He pointed to the strife. He pointed to the conflict. And he let God know how he felt about it. He says, God, in verse 4, this is why the law is ineffective. Oh my gosh, I, I really like this guy, don't you? Here is a prophet in the Old Testament, you know, where you have the law and the prophets, and he's one of them that stands up and says, this law ain't working. He's kind of right if you think about it. There's a reason why we have an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament, the law of God, was written on tablets of stone. And you know what? The laws of God were broken by the time they got from the mountaintop down to the valley. Because Moses saw people just, uh, you know, doing their own thing and disobeying God, and he threw them down and they broke. But what happened in the new covenant? What happened in the new covenant? God said there'll be a day when I will write my law on your heart and your mind. 
That's why you can't legislate morality. Uh, you, can, you can make up all the laws you want to for the good of our society, but until God changes the heart and writes his law on our heart, it's never going to work. And so Habakkuk looks and he sees all this. And he says, God, that's why the law is ineffective. And that's why I'm not seeing justice. Because the wicked do whatever they want and they restrict the righteous. And as a result, justice comes out perverted, twisted. It's just, it's just not working. This prophet couldn't be more honest to God. I mean, he's putting it all on the table. Here's the beautiful part. Now, in verse 5, God speaks. But here's what I want you to understand. I don't know how much time passed between verse 4 and verse 5. It's being told as a story. But in real time, in actual experience, Habakkuk went through a season in his life where he called on God and he cried out to God and there was nothing. No response. Call somebody on the phone, can't get a hold of them. Text somebody, well, maybe they'll text back. Five minutes go by, ten minutes go by. You get busy, you forget. A day goes by. You know what? I hadn't heard from them. Imagine calling out to God, crying out to God. Nothing. No reply, no response, just silence. And now that Habakkuk has prayed this prayer and he's telling his story, he says, but God did answer. And in verse 5, God speaks. God is talking at this point, and he says to the prophet Habakkuk, he says, look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded, for I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Look, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories not its own. They are fierce and terrifying. Their views of justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than wolves of the night. Their horsemen charge ahead. Their horsemen come from the distant lands. They fly like eagles, swooping to devour. All of them come to do violence. Their faces are set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and rulers are a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege ramps to capture it. Then they sweep by like the wind and pass through. They are guilty. Their strength is their God. Now you begin to study this. And here's what God's basically saying. You might have to read it two or three times, but it's there. God says, look, in effect, I'm going to contemporize this for a minute. God says, look, I've heard you, and I want you to know something. I am still at work in this world. I want you to look around at all the nations. You think there's injustice in your little spot of the world? I want you to look around the, at all the nations. But I want you to know something, Habakkuk. I am going to do something that if I told you, you wouldn't even believe it. And here it is. I'm going to tell you anyway. There's a group of people called the Chaldeans. They're better known as the Babylonians. They're a fierce people. They don't care about anybody but themselves. Matter of fact, their strength is their God. 
And they go around the world conquering whoever they want to conquer because they can. They're the big bad boys in this world. And they do their own thing. But to show you that I'm in charge, I'm going to use them to discipline the injustice in your neck of the woods. Now, we'll get into how that hit Habakkuk next week. Basically, God is saying, I'm going I'm to I'm use this ungodly people that don't fear me at all, that live completely for themselves, and I'm going to use them to discipline my people in Israel and Judah. And Habakkuk's like, say what? We'll deal with that next week. But for now, I want you to realize that God responds to Habakkuk's prayer. In effect, he says, I'm still at work. I'm still on the throne. I'm still in control. And I'm going to do something that you won't believe even when you hear it. Let that sink in a little bit. Digest that for a minute. Isn't it kind of you know, comforting and cool to know that when you see something and you call to God and you cry out to God and nothing, silence, 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 that when God does begin to speak, he says, <clears throat> now that I got your attention and now that you do hear me because I'm saying something, I just want you to know I'm fixing to do something that <laughs> you wouldn't believe even if I told you. Maybe that was the reason for God's silence. Because if God would have told Habakkuk right away, he'd go, that can't be God. I don't know what that is. I don't even know what I was thinking. The Babylonians are coming. They're going to punish God's people. What is that? That, that's, that can't be theologically right. Well, that's unacceptable. Well, I refuse that. That sounds anti-patriotic, blah, blah, blah. See, sometimes God has got to be silent until we become desperate. And then he's like, <clears throat> now that I got your attention, I want to tell you something that even if I told you beforehand, you wouldn't believe it. But I'm going to tell you anyway. Here it is. What I want to answer today in the time that we have is this. How should I respond to God's silence? What do you do when the hotline to heaven goes quiet? I'll give you three things to think about. Number one, understand God's ways. Understand God's ways. You know, Isaiah 55 says this, For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways, says the Lord. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven... And do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat. So my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. What am I saying? Isaiah the prophet says, we don't understand God's ways. We're not God. God's ways are just right over our head. But don't misunderstand something. When God's word goes out, it still gets the job done. It still accomplishes its purpose. We may not always understand what God's saying. We may not always understand what God's doing. But please understand that you can trust God because His ways are so much higher and better and greater than our ways. 
Why is God silent, though? Isn't that the real question here? I mean, what makes God clam up? Why, why does God suddenly become silent? Well, again, even though God is silent sometimes, He's never absent. The Bible says He'll never leave us, He'll never forsake us. He's always there. So why is God silent? I'm going to give you four quick things to think about. Silence from God can be an interruption. Silence from God can be an interruption. So examine yourself. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden you put your foot in your mouth and you could see something come over their face and then cold, got, got real cold temperature in the room, right? The cold shoulder and you're like, oh no, what did I say? What did I do? And all of a sudden now, you know, something has been said that's upset someone. Maybe a, a boundary has been violated. Maybe, you know, a discussion that, you know, somebody didn't expect to come up has come up. The issue is this. Spiritually speaking, we can have something come up between us and God. When we sin, when we are um, hiding something in our hearts and it comes between us and God, then silence is like an interruption. And that is a cue for us to examine ourselves. Psalm 66, uh, verse 16 through 19 says this, Come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell what He has done for me. I cried out to Him with my mouth, and praise was on my tongue. If I had been aware of malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. However, God has listened. He has paid attention to the sound of my prayer. So the psalmist is saying, listen, I want you all to hear something. I love the Lord and I, and I praise the Lord. But if I hide something in my heart that comes between me and God, if I have sin in my life, then God's going to go silent. And that's going to be a, a, a prompt to say, hello, I need to examine myself, make sure everything is right between me and God, and then the silence won't be there anymore. I won't have the silent treatment, as sometimes people say. But that's not the situation here with Habakkuk. He's not the one doing anything wrong. On the contrary, Habakkuk is looking around and he's seeing all kinds of wrong going on in the world and he's wondering, God, why aren't you doing something about it? So what, what is the issue with Habakkuk? Well, here's part of it. Silence from God can be not just an interruption, but sometimes silence from God can be an invitation to seek Him. An invitation to seek Him. I've always loved this verse in Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, 15. Uh, the Bible says, Yes, you are a God who hides, God of Israel, Savior. Some translations say, God, you are a God that hides yourself. Well, you think about it. There's a lot of truth to that. I mean, God is spirit. He's not visible to our physical eyes. We know that He created everything that's ever been made. He is our Creator. He is our Redeemer. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. But we don't actually see Him with our eyes. And yet we fully believe that He exists. He is a God who hides Himself. He, he works all the time in our world, and yet in, a, in an odd sort of way. He's behind the scenes. But for those who believe, we know that He's the one doing it. It's obvious that He's doing it. But to the physical person that's just looking at this world with physical eyes and nothing more, they don't see it. They don't understand it. We also know that in Proverbs 8, 17, God says, I love those who love me, and those who search for me find me. 
And then in Jeremiah 29, God says through the prophet Jeremiah that you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. In other words, our relationship with God is a relationship. And sometimes God wants to be pursued. He wants to know that we love Him more than anyone or anything. And when He steps back and He gets quiet, He wants you to notice and He wants you to pursue Him. He wants you to seek Him. And the beautiful part is, He says, if you do that, you'll find me. You'll find me. I'm not going to play hard to get. I'm just going to hide myself until you notice, hey, where's God? And then when you come looking for me, I'll be there. If you'll seek me, you'll find me. Silence is not only an interruption and not only an invitation, but silence from God can be an illumination to express a sign of His work. I love this one. I was going to give you scripture, but I'll point to examples in the Bible instead. Silence from God can be an illumination to express a sign of his work. What do I mean by that? Sometimes God's silence, it's kind of like this. You know, I was going to be a band director before God called me to preach, and I really loved music. In my senior year in high school, I ate, drank, slept music. That's all I did, loved music. And you know what the best part about music is? It's the rest. That's the technical term, right? Rest. You have all these notes. Da 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 da. Rest. Da 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 da. Rest. It's the pauses in the music. You get excited to hear a song. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Those pauses really make the effect come alive. When God speaks, sometimes His silence is a pause. And then he says something. It's kind of like playing catch. You ready? Yeah. It's coming. All right. I'm waiting. And boy, when he brings it, yeah, you told me it was coming. When you think about the Old Testament and the New Testament, do you realize there was a period of about three or 400 years of silence once the Old Testament was done before Jesus Christ come into this, onto this earth and walked among us and did his earthly ministry? There was a long silence because God says, huh, y'all better tune in because what's coming next is going to be good. And then boom, here's Jesus. What about Lazarus? You know, Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus got sick and they said, hey, you got to find Jesus. I, I know he's somewhere over there. Y'all tell him to come, 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 come. And when the word finally gets to Jesus, what does he do? He waits. He waits. And he tells the disciples, we're going to wait. Now, this ain't just anybody. This is a close friend of Jesus. And then finally, after he waits a day or two or whatever it was, then he goes. And by the time Jesus gets back to where the family is, not only is Lazarus dead, but he's been in the tomb four days. 
that's just a little late, isn't it? And then what happens? He raises Lazarus from the dead. You can go to the book of Revelation. And in Revelation, you see that there is this mass of people. And then there's a voice from the throne who is worthy to open the, the scroll that tells what's going to happen in the last days. And everybody's wondering, wondering, wondering. And even John's wondering. And then there's one who's worthy to open the seals of the scroll. His name is Jesus. He's the Lion of Judah. He's the Lamb of God. You can read about it in Revelation. And then John begins to write about how these seals of the scroll were opened and all of these things began to happen. There are seven seals. Between the sixth seal and the seventh seal, in Revelation 8.1, the Bible says there was silence in heaven for about a half hour. In other words, sometimes when God's silent, He's waiting because the next thing He does is going to be something good. And He just wants you to wait for it so you don't miss it. Silence can be an interruption. It can be an invitation. It can be an illumination. And last of all, silence from God can cause isolation. I mean, let's be honest, when we experience God's silence, we feel like we're all out there by our lonesome. Where's God? Does He care? Has anybody else experienced this before? Is it just me? Have I done something wrong? Am I weird? What's going on? Silence from God can cause isolation, and you know what it does? It reveals our character. Parents, you know this. Kids, one of these days you'll know this. How do you live your life when mom and dad aren't around? Are you still the same person? Now apply that spiritually. You and I as children of God, it's, we can live a certain way when we know God's right there. Oh, God's so good and, and I'm right here. But how are we going to live when we don't feel like he's anywhere near us? Are we still going to live the same way? Are we still going to think the same? The, the, the silence of God can cause isolation that reveals our character. You know, Thomas was late to the party when Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to the disciples. They were all there except Thomas. And Thomas said, look, unless I see with my eyes, I don't believe it. And the next time uh, they met, Thomas was there and here comes Jesus. And you know what he said. He says, my Lord and my God, it is you. And Jesus told Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. But blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. Peter went on to write in his epistle that we're being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. And we rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, we suffer grief through various trials so that the proven character of our faith more valuable than gold, which is perishable and refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. That would apply to us. We haven't seen Jesus like Peter did, like John did, like James did. We haven't seen him physically. 
but we love him. And though not seeing him now, we believe in him and we rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because we're receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. In other words, there'll be times in life when you go through trials and you'll be wondering, where is God? Please understand, he is growing your faith. Though you may not see him, you can trust him. Learn to live with the truth that God may be silent, but that does not mean he is absent. He is always with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. All right, that's just one. The, two, the next two are short, I promise. How do we respond to God's silence? We understand God's ways, and that's why we talked about how to understand God's silence. What else do we do? Uh, not only do we need to understand God's ways, we need to wait for God to work. We need to wait for God to work. Habakkuk did. He didn't want to, but he kind of had to. I mean, when you call out to God and you cry out to God and there's nothing, I guess you got to wait. You know, I learned a long time ago those three answers to prayer. When you talk to God and you ask Him for something, there's three answers. Yes, no, and that four-letter word called wait. I don't like wait. I mean, we live in a world where we don't understand wait. If we want something, well, we just, uh, you know, we push a button, we do this, and boom, it happens. You want fast food? You just drive through the little place. You don't even have to get out of your car. Boom, there it is. You want to buy something, but you don't feel like going to the store? Just get online a little click or two, and wham, they'll bring it to your door. I mean, we are really spoiled, aren't we? But nobody has found how to do that spiritually. We can't say, okay, God, here are my problems. Uh, I'm going to upload these prayer requests. I want to see them done now. <laughs> it don't work that way. He's God. We're not. It just doesn't work like that. Romans 12, verse 12. We're told to rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. David wrote in the Psalms, Psalm 27, 14, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous and wait for the Lord. It's not easy waiting. But then Isaiah says this, Therefore the Lord is waiting. Did you catch that? While we are waiting on God, maybe we're waiting on God because He's waiting on us. He's got to prepare us. He's got to get us ready for the next thing he wants to do. And we're just not there yet. So maybe we're looking at God I'm waiting. When he goes oh me. If you only knew the truth. He's waiting too. And so Isaiah 30 says. Therefore the Lord is waiting. To show you mercy. And he's rising up. He's ready to act. To, act, to show you compassion. For the Lord is a just God. Did you catch that? We might have an unjust world, but we have a just God. And He is waiting. He's waiting. And one day He will rise up. He is a just God. And all who wait patiently for Him are happy. When it comes to responding to God's silence, understand God's ways and wait for God to work. One of my favorite Oswald Chamber quotes is when Oswald Chambers said this, discernment is a call to intercession. Discernment is a call to intercession. What does that mean? 
That means when you see something and you feel like you see through what's going on and you know what's really going on and it bothers you, it disturbs you, you pray about it. Because, because God is showing you that so that you can begin to pray for him to move and to act. See, here is a prophet that's all hung up on what's going on in the world. Look at all the injustice that is going on. And basically, here's what God's doing. I believe God is smiling in the background. And I believe he's going, <laughs> he's finally seeing what I see. Because God sees it every day. God's seen it every day since the beginning of time when it all went wrong. And he sees how people live their lives just fumbling along, stumbling along, doing the best they can, but it's just not good enough. And it's not working. And then when we really get all about self and it's going to be our way or no way, he just stands back and goes, same old thing. And sometimes he has to get us to the place to where he gets silent. And we go, God, don't you see what's going on? Look at here, look at there, what's going on? I think he's going, now you're seeing what I'm seeing. Now you're feeling what I'm feeling. And now that you're there, now I'm going to talk to you. You know, it's hard to have an honest conversation when you're not on the same page. And sometimes God can use his silence to get you on his page. So, my final answer, how should I respond to God's silence? Understand God's ways. Wait for God to work. And the last point, trust God's word. I'll make this fast. In Psalm 73, the psalmist wrote, and it's a beautiful psalm. I wish we could read it all, but I'll just tell you what it's about. In Psalm 73, it's a confession psalm. The writer basically says, God, I got tired of playing church. I got tired of living for you. You see, I'd come to church on Sunday. I'm putting this in my own words. I'd come to church on Sunday. And then I'd go out into the world, and I would see people living it up, doing what they want to do, and they don't care about you, they don't think about you, they don't even know you. And they look happy. They look like everything's great. I mean, they can do what they want, and there's no slap on the wrist. There's no consequences. There's no repercussions. Well, God, if that's how this game of life is played... If I can go over here and do my own thing and not have to worry about looking over my shoulder, am I going to get struck by lightning? Is something bad going to happen? I think I'm going to just do what I want to for a while. But then he says this. I got to a place, God, to where it was all about me. And it was ugly. And I was still trying to make sense. God... How come people out there that don't know you can live how they want to and it don't bother them? But when I step out of line just once, won't you just leave me alone? Can't I have a little fun? And he says, I was really trying to figure this out and it didn't quite make sense to me until I came into the house of God. And then I heard your word. And then the light bulb went on, and I went, oh, one day, one day, 
the final exam to our lives is coming and it's past fail will you be ready for that test will you pass that test Everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done is going to pass before your eyes. God already knows it, but he's going to let you see it one last time. Did you come to me? Did you receive my son? Have you experienced the forgiveness and the pardon and the mercy of God? Or are you standing on your own? Are you your own defense? I think we know how that will pan out. But in Psalm 73, verse 26 he makes this declaration. He says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. See, the psalmist in Psalm 73 was very honest. And at the end of it, he says, You know, I learned something. I can't do this on my own. I learned a long time ago, I can't live the Christian life. No one can. Now that I got your attention, don't tune me out because this, this is the reason. Nobody can live the Christian life except Christ. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we have Christ in us. That's why we have to die to self and depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to have his way in us. And Paul said, I die daily. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ and yet I live, but it ain't me, it's Christ in me. Did you catch that one? I hope you did. You and I cannot depend on our own strength. We have to depend on God. We have to trust His Word. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding, and in all your ways know Him, and He will make your path straight. Well, here's the deal. I forgot to write this down. I wish I had, but I'll mention it to you. What's beautiful about this passage in Habakkuk is that part when God says, Look, Habakkuk, I'm still doing something in your days that you won't believe even when you hear about it. You know when that verse is mentioned again in the book of Acts? when either Peter or Paul is talking and they're providing a, a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they point to that verse. That's the ultimate meaning of that verse. The ultimate meaning of the message today is this. Have you ever heard God speak? Do you know Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? Because He's done something and He said something that ought to get your attention. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us, and the Lord loves us, and He wants to save us, and He says, listen, you don't have to clean up your act. Nothing you do can impress me, but if you want me in your life, you come as you are. You come as you are, and when you realize you're a sinner, when you realize that you need a Savior, when you realize what He's done for you, then come to the cross and ask him to save you. He'll do something that'll be amazing in your life. And if you're a believer this morning and you've been struggling with the silence of God, I hope this message encourages you. As long as you can say it's well with my soul, you've done nothing wrong. But maybe God is preparing you for what he wants to do next. 
and he's taking that dramatic pause to get your attention. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com. Thank you.